You're listening to Geeks Unleashed, a podcast that covers what's current in the world of pop culture. I'm Mark Brassington, and I'm in London. And I'm Jasmine in Texas. Hello, welcome to Geeks Unleashed. This is episode 73. If you are not already subscribed, you can find us at Geeks Unleashed everywhere, including your favorite podcast platform. Remember, five-star reviews help us get found by more listeners, so please rate and review Geeks Unleashed on Apple or Podchaser. As usual, I'm Mark. And I'm Jasmine. Uh, and also this week, we are joined by Tom from the Two Brothers at Walkcrawler podcast. Um, welcome, Tom. Hey, good to be here. Thank you, man. I am, and for this week's review, we are reviewing Venom, Let There Be Carnage. And spoiler <laughs> warning, <laughs> uh, this is a review show. And if you have not had a chance to watch Venom, Let There Be Carnage, uh, first of all, good for you. Second of all, we suggest you might want to pause this and come back later because we're about to ruin everything, including the mid credit scene. Yeah. But before we jump into the review, there's two things we want to do. First, we want to just cover off one piece of news. Uh, but then we want to grill Tom about his whole life, starting from the day he was born. Yeah, um, yeah. So. We're, putting, we're putting him in the hot seat. All right. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, but we do have a bit of sad news to cover. Uh, on the set of the film Rust, there was an accidental fatality involving Alec Baldwin um, with and a prop gun that misfired. Um, the shot actually killed the director of photography. Uh, her name is Helena Hutchins. She died in transport to the hospital. Uh, the director of the film, Joel Souza, was also injured. He was taken to a different hospital, uh, but was released the same evening after his injuries were treated. Um, Alec Baldwin has taken to social media a, couple, a day or so after these events and expressed his deep, deep regrets and apologies. And he stated that he is working with the authorities to get everything figured out. Um, Rust is a Western that's filming in, I believe it's Arizona at the moment. Um, it is in the very early stages of production, but there, there kind of was some, it, it's a, it's a changing story. It's, it's still developing. Um, there were some issues reported about a crew walk-off that happened the day of the misfire. And, um, there are reports that the prop master was not actually, a union member. So there are lots of labor law and labor implications that come with this uh, unfortunate death as well. But uh, Helena Hutchins leaves behind a husband and a child. She was 42 years old. She was very much a bright spot, especially because there are not enough female directors of photography. So um, that is a huge loss to the film industry for sure. Uh, it's filmed in New Mexico. I oh, think, New Mexico. In, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, not that that really matters where it was filmed. Um, yeah, no, it's, when I, I woke up this morning and I saw that news and I was like, this is just awful. Like for for her family, her son, her husband. Um, I know it's a different point of view, but I was felt really sorry for Alec Baldwin. I just saw photos of him, just looks awful. And I was just thinking he's going to have to live with, even though that I know he didn't do it deliberately, but he's going to have yeah. to live with that for the rest of his life. So, um, and I know we don't tend to always cover news when we have guests on the podcast, but I just felt like we should cover it because just such a big and sad thing to happen. Yeah. So, um, and it, it, like you just said, when you were talking about prop master and stuff, it's just something that really in this day and age shouldn't be happening. So, yeah. Um, 
yeah i mean there's not really much more i can add other than just obviously just you know well word on the street is that a lot of hollywood um you know the directors and directors of photography have switched to using cgi or vfx versions of muzzle shots anyway so people were a little bit surprised that they were still using practical effects it could have something to do with the fact that it's period piece and the you know the props that they're working with are a lot older than the glocks that we see now in a lot of the films um but i mean you can't help but think about what happened with brandon lee with the with the filming of the crow uh so there's this again it's a developing story but there's got to be a lot it's almost like a a series of unfortunate events. Some, too many people had that gun in their hands before it wound up in Alec Baldwin's hands. Um, so we're just going to have to watch and see how this plays out. But again, it is completely, completely tragic. Very. I mean, uh, I mean, you got to think like I know because we talked about Brandon Lee, but how in this day and age is is yeah? How is something like this even line? still happening? Yeah, I mean, especially with what happened with Brandon Lee, you would have thought mm-hmm. like they would have shut it down. But I, I think maybe now though, there's a lot more social media presence there wasn't back then, um, and hopefully this will lead to some sort of change if if that's the only good thing that comes out of this. So anyway, let's move on from yeah. that sad news and uh, let's go and grill Tom and let's, let's uh, bring it up a notch. Yeah, yeah, yeah let's uh, pump it up. So. Um, so Tom, obviously, we we've worked together. We enjoy it. We joined me and Jasmine. We joined you a few months back uh, and jumped on your podcast. And uh, yes, you, you uh, like we joined you for a hot seat on the best films <laughs> that were never made, and uh, it was a good time um, <laughs> yeah. had, had by all. So, yes. Uh, so thank you for having us there, and we and it was awesome to uh, it's awesome to return it to yourself, and hopefully we'll get. Um, both of you on one day as well so i know you're here for a sort of specific reason um yes. before we before we jump into that though like i always like to pick people's brains on um oh uh, yeah the good stuff the good stuff yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, so, okay. well I, I call it the secret origin so like what ah. i mean by that what i mean by that is your secret origin into what made you develop the the need and interest of pop culture and comic books and sci-fi and and you know like because you know mm. like people grow up differently so like right. you know, they're, they're, i've got mates who love football and stuff like that right, right. i grew up i grew up in a household where my dad was interested in different sort of sci-fi and things like that and eventually I, right. as i got older i met someone who liked comics and i just wondered what, what's your story how did you find that interest hmm so um i grew up in brooklyn new york and um the I mean, I guess when I was younger, most of the kids in the neighborhood were all interested in, you know, the, the traditional things uh, kids in my age group <laughs> were used to, which would be Star Wars, He-Man, things like that. But um, I feel like uh, as I got older, I kind of veered away from it as much because, I, you know, you wanted to be cool and things like that, because not really many people around me were into it. But when I started to get, uh, when I started to uh, work in the uh, television broadcasting field and things like that, I started to bump into, well, really what took me down like the just this hardcore alley of comics and sci-fi and just everything was um, I worked at a television studio as a master control operator. 
And okay. um, if you don't really know what that is, it's basically, I mean, because they're phasing them out now, but you work in this uh, control room and like all of the TV series that are being broadcast have to be kind of scheduled. So you're just in this room and just making sure these programs are airing and you will be in there for eight to 12 hour stretches. And what a friend of mine, I think it was, at the, I think it was like 28 at the time. Uh, and he was my coworker, but we're great friends. He said, oh, well, you know, I have this um, comic here, you know, that you may want to check out and, you know, cause you got time you're just sitting here. And what he hands me is the, um, what he hands me is the, um, oh man, it is the truth. The original uh, first print edition of the original Captain America story. Yeah. And I was like, oh, okay. I had um, never really, you know, I, I knew nothing about it at the time. Mm -hmm. So then what ended up happening was I was like, okay, um, let me, let me check it out. And then I started reading it and I fell in love with it. And so then I was like, wait, do you like, I need more of this. <laughs> and then I started to read the next uh, comic, like, you know, as an adult, I started to read was, it was this uh, series of all these black heroes called The Crew. Oh, um, I read that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I read that. And I was like, okay, I need more. And then, and, th and this was also around the time that Reginald Hudlin had his run on Black Panther. Yeah. And this was also around the time of... That was Marvel Knights, I think, wasn't it? Yes, it was. Yeah, yeah. And this was also around the time of Civil War. So now mm -hmm. it was just like, okay, at first it was like, oh, I want to read all about these black heroes that I didn't really see when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. And then it was just like, okay, well now I want to read about all heroes. And then I want to read about all, I want all these independent comics. And then it just bled into like, and then my mind started to just go into sci-fi and just started reading Dune and just, it just, it just spiraled from there. And now I am the man that you see today. <laughs> <laughs> so basically what you're saying, it was like injected into my veins. I need more of this. Yes. Yeah, it just, I could never, I could never get, even with Star Wars, it was like, you know, as a kid, yeah, I played with the uh, Star Wars, um, you know, uh, action figures as a kid. I was going to say dolls, but action figures. <laughs> and then <laughs> I, um, and then what ended up happening was uh, I was in, and it's funny because Mark, you and I were talking about it. I was in Midtown Comics. Yeah. And I was looking at comics and then I saw this novel uh, and it was called uh, Star Wars. Uh, um, it was called Darth Bane, Paths of Destruction. And I was like, oh, wow. OK, well, like, this co cover seems cool. And then I, I bought it and I read that. And it was the greatest Star Wars novel I'd ever read. And after that, I read 60 Star Wars novels. Oh, like, just, my gosh. Just, wow. Like that, wow. like that. While Damn. reading like hundreds of comics a month. Yeah. Yeah. It just it just. You were just you were just sucking it up. Like, <laughs> you can I have a problem, and um, you know I. My name is Tom. Dealing with it. Oh. <laughs> right, exactly. I'm in Comics Holics Anonymous. <laughs> exactly. So yeah. So like yeah. So that that is where it came from. I, I want to say it kind of. It, it was when I was 28, and and it just started from the truth. That comic just really. The truth was the gate, gateway. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. That's that awesome. How, how, how must that have made you feel though, like, watching Falcon and the Winter Soldier and seeing that come to the screen then? Like well, from I your mean, gatekeep, you know, your, that was your gatekeep, uh, so your entry point so, into comics, yeah. gateway, yeah, gateway into you're, comics, and then seeing that on the screen. What's happening is like, it's like realistically, what you're thinking is, 
are they, are they going to do it? Is, is it going to happen? Oh my God. Oh, is it, is it happening? Yeah. And so that's how you feel like every episode as you're getting closer and they're saying like, you hear Isaiah Bradley and like, oh, 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 oh. and it, it is just pure elation as, yeah. as it's occurring, you know, because, and, and I think, you know, it's an exciting time to have, to, you know, be a, a fan of Marvel comics and see that, you know, and not to say that Marvel put these heroes on the back burner because, you know, these, you know, Isaiah Bradley, Josiah X, all of these, people were present in the Marvel universe, the Marvel comics universe. Mm -hmm. Uh, And they didn't necessarily put them in the back burner, but like, you know, you did not really think that you were going to see these people on the screen because they, you know, you never really get to see them like that. So, you know, for them to have done Isaiah Bradley justice and, and really see him and, and, you know, his story be similar to that of the comics, it was just amazing and, and really gave me hope for, just all people, uh, you know, uh, underrepresented people in, in these stories, like, oh, wow, mm-hmm. everyone's going to get their shot. You mm-hmm. know? It was exciting. The reason I ask is, like, obviously, from that being your gateway into comics, mm-hmm. that's obviously the comic you think about the most. And then to see that come to the screen, it must have been just for, a, like, for your personal journey. That's why I was thinking that must be like when you were like, oh, my God, is it going to happen? I can imagine the excitement for you must have been more than it would be for, say, others. Because well, you have that as your personal connection. Technically, my absolute favorite comic is not the truth. Now, no, but I was thinking more about your gateway comic. Was the truth, okay, but, good. Okay, gateway yeah. comic. Yes, it was. It was. It did bring back those memories of being back in that control room, hmm. reading those pages, and just being like, "Wow, this story is amazing." This, I love how they merged, like you know, African American history in some way, shape, or form mm-hmm. to the traditional Captain America story and, and, yeah. you know, and seeing that come to life. Amazing. What what you just about to say, what is your favorite comic then? Oh, I thought we were going to just gloss over. Okay. <laughs> no, 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 no. I was going to come uh, back to that. Okay. So my absolute, my soul and, and my wife, uh, like if she wants to hurt me, she threatens these comics. <laughs> so <laughs> If you don't put these damn dishes away. <laughs> exactly. So what it is, is that, so when I was a little kid, I was like 10. My mom used to give me like 25 cents uh, a day, I think. And there was, I mean, you know, you got, you're in the UK, you're in Texas. I don't think you guys have like corner stores or bodegas. I don't know if you guys have that out there, but well, they're like these we, we, have, we have news agents, like okay. news agents, yeah. We like, don't open... have bodegas here. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, this was back in the olden times. So it was still like more corner stores and what they, and this is back when they had comics. And there was this comic that stood out and um, it was called ElfQuest by Wendy and Richard Pina. Yeah. And the art on the cover was just amazing. And I was a little kid and I said to the store owner, like he he noticed that I I was like infatuated by it. So he was like, you want to buy it? And I was like, yeah, you know, it it looks amazing. It was a graphic novel. It was a trade because apparently they had like a bunch of, um, there's a bunch of uh, uh, issues out and they were like collected at that point. And so he said it was $5 and so he, he knew that I liked it. He said, okay, well, if you want, you can just give me a quarter a day and I'll hold it for you. And there were four graphic novels that told the whole story. Um, 
And so every day I would give him this quarter and I buy the first issue. And he's like, okay, I'm holding the other three issues for you. If you keep bringing me the quarters, I'll make sure you get the other three. And I bought all four issues. And I That's some dedication, man. Yeah. Yeah. And I read those comics so much that like the the spine of them were all worn. Yeah. I still have them. <laughs> I actually finally met the uh the the writers and the artists because they're, they're a husband and wife team. Unfortunately, they got divorced maybe a couple years ago, but <laughs> I met them um at Comic Con 2019 Comic Con. Nice. And wow. what was so funny about that meeting, as you can see, I'm a talker. And what was so funny about that meeting was uh I stood online and my w- wife was like really excited about um meeting the, uh, like she was she was like oh are you gonna fanboy are you gonna you know go crazy because and I was like eh. so when I met them I, I was very calm cool and collected and I was like okay you know I gave them the book they signed it. I was like okay thank you and my wife is just like looking like yeah, yeah. And she was like, this is your chance you <laughs> so she turns to them and literally was like you don't understand he's had your comments since he was a little boy he loves you so much <laughs> and I turned and looked at her like okay <laughs> well you know I'm stop it I'm trying, trying to, to look cool damn yeah, it I'm trying to be cool here <laughs> so you know you know um I don't know that that so it's elf quest the original four um, um, graphic novels, they, they did actually come back out, but that is my prized possession. But outside of that, Marvel is my gateway. Yeah, 100%. I can, I, like Marvel's for me as well. Yes. But um, uh, sort of moving on from that, obviously, like we touched on a minute ago, you have a podcast, Two Brothers at Warcrawler, which yes. um, you have a, obviously your co-host, Mike, and you have that together. I kind of wanted to know how, how you went from television to form in a podcast what, what happened how did you get started um so the podcast was primarily mike's um idea for mm-hmm. years and if you've never heard our podcast our podcast is just basically uh, myself and mike who i've been friends with for and it's crazy now because clearly over 15 16 years um and we argue about everything. Like we just do not have the <laughs> same point of view on anything. And at every job we've worked at, because we've worked at a lot of places together, everyone loved listening to us argue about pop culture. Because that's all we argue about. That's literally all we talk about. <laughs> on, like on, on tape and off tape, all we do is talk about pop culture. So um for years, people have said, you guys are funny. You should really, you know, do a podcast. And then Mike started to say over and over, we should really do this. We should really do this. And um, and then, you know, but I was kind of like, eh, no, I don't think so. I don't think it's a good idea. There's like a billion podcasts. Nobody <laughs> would listen to us. And then I don't know what changed my mind about it. You know what it is? Oh, I'll tell you. I think I was thinking maybe I could use this podcast to get free passes for Comic-Con. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That's what I was thinking, right. I, was like, I can probably use this and, and get like a pro pass at New York City. You know what? You're right, Mike. Let's do this. And, then, <laughs> and, that, and that's where it was born. <laughs> did you ever get the free passes? No, no. But, <laughs> but I didn't. I do enjoy it. And um, yeah, I do enjoy it. And, and you know, and, and it's been fun. So you know, we've been doing it for about three years now. We, we've taken a, a, a short break, but we are coming back next week. Uh, but mm-hmm. yeah, no, it's fun. And we just talk about 
you know, similar to you guys, we talk about movies, we do, you know, we talk about TV series. We don't necessarily talk about comics because Mike isn't a big comic book reader. So uh, we focus more on the TV and uh, movies aspect. Yeah, you, t- you talk about comic movies and TV shows yes. and things like that. Yeah. Yes, so, we do. Mm-hmm. But also, I, I'm, it's a nice segue here, but we know that you love comics yourself. Yes. Um, so we know that you've got a Kickstarter. Uh, so, uh, yes, yes. Um, yes. <laughs> what, 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 before we jump, the, talk about the Kickstarter, what, what is um, and the foundations of Crow Hill Comics? Oh, wow. Look at you. you. You're digging in the crates. You're going, you're going for it. Okay. <laughs> so <laughs> my comic book company is called Crow Hill Comics. And the reason it's called Crow Hill is, um, so there are different neighborhoods in Brooklyn. Each, you know, like you may have heard of like from Biggie Bed-Stuy and you may have heard of Flatbush. So the neighborhood that I grew up in is called Crown Heights. And um, Crown Heights, uh, was is you know is like a central neighborhood in Brooklyn. What ended up happening was before it was called Crown Heights, it was called Crow Hill. And it was oh, okay. and, and there was like a weird history behind it. I don't want to like misquote. I think it had something to do with there were cornfields and a lot of crows. I'm not 100 percent sure. I think I read that somewhere. But then they changed it into a residential area. And now I'm talking like the 1800s. Mm-hmm. And yeah, they yeah. and they f- had a hard time getting people to want to live in that area. So they changed the name to Crown Heights to make it more pleasant sounding. Yeah. And but before that, it was called Crow Hill, and that's that's where the name Crow Hill comes from. Okay. That's a neat little um, homage there, though. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. I love. I like. I like that origin of the name. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Where, so when did you found Crow Hill? Oh, about four years ago. Uh, I um I, you know, I read like a hundred comics a month, and then. Uh, I was talking to one of my coworkers and he was like, you know, wow, you love it so much. You know, why don't you write your own? Mm-hmm. And so I was like, oh, wow. You know what? I never really even thought about that. And, um, and so then I ended up writing my first comic series, which, you know, it wasn't good. So I don't want to, you know, don't, don't go looking for it. <laughs> That's all right. though. you just got to get the first one out the door. That's how it works. Exactly. It's on yeah. comiXology. You know, T.W. Conklin, if you want to check it out. I'm checking it it out, man. I'm going to put my Comixology (laughs) Unlimited subscription to some good use. I think it's on. I think it might be a part of the unlimited package. I'm not sure, but um, it is, you know, and and I wrote this comic series, you know, and it was really just me exercising how to produce a comic. Mm -hmm. And, um, and, you know, and, and and, and just to put it out there. So after that was done, I... You know, I wrote a little shorts here and there, and I've uh, uh, collaborated with a couple of people on, on you know, all independent projects. But, um, you know, that really has been, it's, it's a passion for me. Like, really, I love writing. And, um, and I have, and, you know, I, my origins, like, I went to school for film production. And with um, this, um, with this ability to write comics, it, it allows me to, to create this, uh, these worlds that I've had in my head, I, it allows me to do that. Mm-hmm. You know, whereas film, it would cost like hundreds of millions of dollars with comics. Yeah. It's it's a it's a cheap cheaper. Yes, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, so so you have got a Kickstarter for a comic called Hedge, um, yes. which obviously follows um, a uh, a witch basically called. Uh, 
Camille? Is it Camille? How you say well, it? Camille, Camille is her her full name. Her yeah, Camille uh, Fowley. They, they, they yeah. call her Cammy. Yep. Yeah, yeah. And um, but I won't say anymore. I'd like to hear from you. So, how did you come up with the idea? And and uh, tell us a little bit about Hedge. Obviously, you don't want to spoil it, but tease us and tell us a little oh, bit about the Kickstarter. Sure. Okay. So yes, I have a Kickstarter. It started on October first, uh, and it's running till October thirtieth. Um, and the story basically follows the main character, Cammy. And um, she is a member of the deaf community. And um, basically, the, the, the simplest way to tell the story is Cammy has magical abilities. And she is currently looking throughout New York City for books to teach her more about <laughs> her abilities and to, to do more things with her magic. The problem with that is in this world magic is primarily practiced by witches and witches the witches of this world all reside within a coven and if you're not a part of the coven you are not authorized to do magic in the city so what ends up happening is if someone is practicing magic outside of the coven they are recognized as a hedge and hedges have to be killed what's special about Cammy is that the witch's power all reside from their wand and witches create magic using sound and song and so you need to be able to sing and and all of these other like you know other aspects of sound to create magic so what is significant about Cammy is Cammy being deaf does not speak and she does not have a wand and Mm -hmm. she is able to create magic just from her hand, using her hands, which means, so the witches that, uh, that have found out about her see her as a threat or a weapon. And so now we're, so there are all these questions that need to be answered, which is, who is Cammy? What is Cammy? Yeah. Why is Cammy? Why? <laughs> yeah, why? <laughs> why? Yeah. why and, and, yeah. yeah. And that is generally the story. Uh, I, I've obviously had a look at it I won't, I won't spoil it but I love the artwork as well as obviously the, the the actual script itself how did you meet your fellow creators ah okay so that is a great question um, my creative team I actually have worked with two of them um, I've actually worked with two of them for the last four years so my letterer, his name is Christian Dokolomansky. Very long name. I'm hoping that I got it right. <laughs> um, he is from Chile. And I have to give him credit. He's taught me the most about producing comics, about understanding how to get the pages right and like, you know, how that translates over to printing and things like that. Um, so I've worked with him for four years. And my colorist as well, his name is Michael Woods. I believe he lives in California. I know he's, he's a West Coast guy. Um, and I've worked with him for four years. The artist, he, his name is Joshua Bronk. I know he is in England. I don't know oh, okay. where, I don't know exactly where he lives in England. <laughs> but I know he lives in England because when I reach out to him, he's like six hours ahead. And, you know, and he talks about, he talks about, British stuff in general, but he, he, and I think he said England, but I just don't know exactly where. (laughs) So yeah, but but, uh, yeah. And so Uh he's been, 
he's been great. And it's, it's really tricky finding that perfect team. Mm-hmm. Um, like, you know, you know, as a, because I'm the writer, it's, it's so tricky to find that person when you write and then they, and then they draw it. And it's like, that's what I had in my head, or that's even better. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it, you would think it's a simple, it's a simple, uh, uh, synergy, but no, it, it takes a long time. I probably, uh, to find Cammy, I probably went through 12 artists. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Yeah. 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 I love the diversity so far that I've seen it in the character. So that's that's awesome. always nice to see on the pages of comics. Awesome sauce. Yes. I'm trying to I'm trying to like with this story and, and also because it's it I I feel like New York City is is also a, a, a character in the comic book. I try to represent the communities and things that I've seen growing up in the city. And and you know, New York City is is a melting pot. It's just mm-hmm. there is no like all one community it's, it's we're all together and so that's what i'm trying to show in this in the comic so obviously the kickstarters for issue one like what's the what's the plan is this issue one of a mini series or, or an ongoing have you got graphic novel plan just what are your overall thoughts for the for the future for this book the goal is to have about is to have six issues the, okay. the story the initial story should be able to be told in six issues so that that is my goal here i'm hoping that um you know this kickstarter will allow me to um, get it printed and kind of get it in the hands of people you know build an audience and and if people love it then hopefully we can raise enough money to do issue number two that'd be awesome um have you have you got the scripts done for the next or you plotted them how 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 far ahead have you got so I haven't actually written uh, the script. I have an outline for the entire story, though. So I've, right. I know okay. what's going to happen, and I know all the secrets. So yeah. I'm just kind of waiting. Also, what's happening now, which is surprising, is when I wrote the story, you know, because I'm I'm nobody at this point. Nobody knows me. Um, That's I not true. Yet. We know you. We know yet. you. No, I, I appreciate that. I, <laughs> I, I appreciate that. Um, yeah because I was, you know, I was coming up, I reached out to members of the deaf community and I did not get a lot of feedback. I did get some. Mm-hmm. So, there yeah. ha- I, so there have been members of the deaf community that have read the comic and, and really, really liked it. They enjoyed the story. Um, but that being said, I, I, you know, because she is a member of the deaf community, I, I, I was hoping that, you know, that wasn't the plan when I was writing it, but once it finished, it was like, oh, well, maybe, you know, people would identify with her character and um the other day i actually um did like a a a reading at a virtual bookstore and um what ended up happening was a lot of deaf members of the deaf community were there and they really really loved the comic and word is spreading within the deaf community so i i do feel like i am starting you know this character this story is starting to find an audience that's so amazing. I'm hoping, yeah, yeah. I'm hoping that, you know, that will drive, uh, th- you know, that'll allow me if I can get this large enough audience to like actually write issue number two. That's that's amazing. Well, good luck to you. And um, yeah. like you say, there's eight days left now. By the time this comes out, there'll be six days left. And um, I hope, obviously, that you achieve what you're looking for. Um, and we'll uh, definitely it... drop the link to you in our show notes. Thank yeah. you so much. Thank you so much. No problem at all. So is there anything... Before we move on, you want to add about the Kickstarter or anything like that? Anything like uh, maybe because obviously people have different pledge levels or anything you want to yeah, shout out? Yeah, no. So there are various pledge levels. Um, you know, I mean, if you just want a digital copy, it's three dollars. If you want to print, uh, if you want to pr- 
print copy, it's ten dollars, and um, you know, it, it it varies at different levels. Are you doing any other like events or anything like to, to promote? No, not at this time. Not at this time. Okay. Obviously, I know you've got a lot going on with your move. So, uh, yes. <laughs> spinning many plates. I look forward to seeing you at the booths in uh, Comic Con next year. Doing yeah, some so science. we can run up to you and be like, "Oh my God, we're your biggest uh, fans!" I'm, I'm, I'm hoping. <laughs> I, I'm hoping I could get to that state. I'm hoping yeah. I can get to that level. No worries. So you're going to stick around with us and uh, join us for the next part of our show. But we're just going to take a break for a moment. Hey, this is Chris and Lance asking you to check out our podcast, Comic Book Keepers. Each episode features one hero, villain, team or series. Learn history behind a wide variety of comic book characters and creators. Get recommendations on what storylines to read. Uncover how characters were created. Highlight adaptations in media and answer comic fandoms. What if questions? You can find us on all major streaming platforms or on most social media at CBK cast. And remember, Keep your friends close, but your comic books closer. Do you know how lucky you are that I chose you? You chose me? Buddy, I'm the only person that took you in when your friends kicked you off the planet, Ming Mong, because you are a reject. You are a pariah. Lethal protection, my ass. You couldn't protect anything. You are useless. You can get a job down here cleaning toilets. And now we're back. And here we go. Venom, let there be carnage. So originally Venom was created by Todd McFarlane and David Michelin. Uh, the director of this film, Andy Serkis, guy you may have heard of before. Um, screenplay, Kelly Marcel and Tom Hardy. Uh, Venom, let there be carnage stars. Tom Hardy returning as Eddie Brock. Michelle Williams coming back as Anne. Reed Scott coming back as Dr. Dan Lewis. Uh, Peggy Liu coming back as Mrs. Chen. New faces, we got Woody Harrelson in here as Cletus Cassidy, Naomi Harris as Francis Barrison, and Stephen Graham as Detective Mulligan. So before we talk about anything, it's, I always like to know, like, how did everybody watch it? Because and the reason <laughs> we were asking that, we, we were ask, we've been asking that because people were doing it digitally, but this has only been in theatres. Right. Um, Tom, where did you watch it? I actually went to the theaters to watch it be begrudgingly. <laughs> begrudgingly. Did you so, did you go with anyone or did you go on your no, own? Or? No, I wouldn't do that to anyone. I would not do that to anyone. <laughs> not at all. No. So yeah, no, I went to a theater uh, close to, uh, in Midtown Manhattan. They were it was still playing there, and um, I caught a really late show. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I feel like this is already starting on a on a, on a weird <laughs> night, right? And uh, what about you, Jasmine? Um, so I did my favorite thing. I love going to the movies by myself. So uh, I went after work yesterday, actually. Uh, so I waited until it had been out here for a while. Went yesterday, and I was literally the only person in the theater. Um, <laughs> so that was really cool, because then I felt like I could laugh as loud as I wanted to. So I enjoyed that part. Uh, there were definitely a few times where I laughed out loud. But when I left the theater, so when I got there, there was like 10 cars in the parking lot. That's it. And I'm sure like eight of those cars were employees. So <laughs> when I left, the, the parking lot was jam packed. Like, and I was like, okay, I went to a 530 show. Uh, so it is now 730. 
the hell? Right. Like this on a Thursday night? Why is this theater so crowded? But Dune released early last oh, night. So yes. there were a ton of people at the theater to see Dune. But I was literally Venom. the they only person. No, they weren't. Venom. No, they weren't. <laughs> no, no, I can guarantee no, you they weren't. Yeah, certainly not. Certainly <laughs> Venom came out at the start of the month for you guys. It only came out last week for us. So, yeah. um, oh, so, gotcha. okay. so the reason I highlight that is because obviously it came out, I think it was on the 15th. And I went yesterday, which was yesterday was the 22nd of October. Um, I went on my own and um, I struggled to find people that wanted to go. Um, Darn, really? So, I wonder why. Well, <laughs> no, uh, there wasn't that many keen people to go along with. Interesting. And, Interesting. Uh, so, um, so I, I, I'll be honest with you, I've only ever been once in cinema on my own and that was to see Iron Man 3, um, which, yeah, that was a similar event. Um, anyway, so, uh, so anyway, when I... When I when I went, I actually was thinking about Shang Chi. Where I went to see Shang Chi on, I think it was opening night or maybe the following day. It was one of the. It was either first or second night, and that that cinema was packed, boy. Like it was full. I was, you know, it was a struggle to get tickets. And um, so when I'm sitting in this, <laughs> I was one of ten people in this room, and this room was a big, big theater, and that really like stood out to me. I was like, mm, it's not a good sign. This movie's only been out like five days like you know and uh, so uh yeah anyway so i went to theater i probably if it had been if there had been a digital option i probably would have just done digital rather yeah, than me too. Come to cinema the like, only reason i dragged my butt to the theater is because you wanted to cover this film that's the only reason yeah. i would never have picked this <laughs> like on my own exactly when i got that email saying venom it was like oh, oh no <laughs> what are you not saying like, anyway so Let's just go around the room. We'll, you know, sort of summarize our, our thoughts on. Um, well, so I, I take it you before we do that. I take it you've both watched the first movie. Um, have you watched the first movie, Tom? Did you like the first movie? Did you like the first um, movie at all? I did not. I did not. <laughs> okay, wait, wait, wait. Before we started recording, that is not the word that you used to describe the first film, Tom. How did how did you feel about the first film? Huh? I feel like I said, hmm. I don't know. I mean, I, I hated it. It was it was it was atrocious. It was I I I felt pain. I mean, I'm not sure what did I say because all of that is appropriate. <laughs> and Jasmine, did, what what did you what did you think about the first film? I thought the first film was freaking terrible, but I had fun watching it. Like it was a horrible, yeah. wow. awful film, but I really enjoyed like the experience of watching it. I remember yes. when I went, I went with two mates. We went for a couple of beers first, then we went to the movies and saw it. And we walked out and we were like, oh, this was a bad film. Like, yeah. well, really, oh, the beer first it, was, it was like what's a, train a good call, wreck. though. It was a train wreck of a movie. But like, yeah, right. we kind of had a, I think for me, it was like two mates, like two of my mates who I used to go to school with and don't see each other that often. So that for me it was like the whole night was more of entertainment and it was good seeing a rubbish film and and like it was a train wreck of a movie and when i heard how well it did i was like wow like and then sony were like oh well this is brilliant and they've kind of greenlit like loads more trash like right. and um <laughs> so, like, and I was like, people need to stop going. Like well, we, I know we've kind of supported this, but like Yeah, and so, whose fault is that? Anyway. Yeah, well, I mean, I only only sent it to you and Tom. Like, you know, I didn't make everybody else go. Like, so, um, anyway, 
So before we jump into anything else, so literal plot of the movie is pretty darn straightforward. I don't really think there's much in the way of plot here. You know, no. we pick up, we pick up maybe I don't know six months after the last one. I don't think I don't know if they reference it at all, but there's been a bit of time. Um, Eddie Brock is still with Venom. He lives in a shithole apartment. Venom and him have some weird comedy duo thing going. Um, you still, <laughs> he's, yeah, it's yeah. like a yeah, like, and uh, he's still living the same life. You know, even we get to meet Mrs. Chen. You know, everything's going on. You know, and Anne and him pick up and sort of touch on their previous relationship from the first movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, the cop guy, uh, Texas Mulligan, sort of references the end credit sequence from the first movie, like, oh, you had your chance with uh uh creators cassidy um but kind of pulls him back in again saying we need you to get in there that leads to an event where he bites his hand and gets a bit of a symbiote in his blood and let there be carnage kind of starts from there really (laughs) so then Mm -hmm. carnage gets out you know there there's a little bit Detective work done on Eddie Brock's part, but Venom seems to have more. I believe the detective work was done on Venom's part, not yeah, Eddie's yeah. part. <laughs> well, right. I think mean, I mean, Eddie did a tiny little bit towards the end of the film, <laughs> but but when they kind of when they oh, there was something. Oh yeah, because he went to the tree. Remember when he kind of like you know worked out about the part? Oh yeah, like when he didn't have Venom in him to do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yes, yeah yes, he yes, kind yes, of yes. did a little bit. Well, he did a little bit at the end, but like when, when, yeah, so we're kind of going a little bit over here. But the summary basically, Venom seems to have slightly more intelligence than Eddie. Um, <laughs> and obviously, there's a, a big battle at the end, which we'll go, we're going to break this all down as we go through. But yeah, and then, yeah, anyway, that's kind of it in a bit of a nutshell. Um, <laughs> before we do break it down, though, um, I'm actually mm-hmm. really worried to ask the question, Tom, like in a, in a 30. <laughs> In a 30-second to 60-second summary, what are your thoughts yeah. on Venom 2? <sighs> okay, so I'm going to, I'm <laughs> going to tackle this. Uh, I'm going to give it... I'm going to say what I think are good points and bad points. Mm-hmm. I think that it was interesting to see Venom, um, you know, his attributes in terms of him being able to solve that crime. You know, I'm going to do your job for you, blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah. Yeah. <laughs> and he does that. I was like, okay, that, that's pretty cool. Um, I, think that was, I think that was it. And so, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. You know, uh, the, the film in its entirety, I think it's just one of those films that either you love Venom like the the movie the the movie itself or you hate them and you know in terms of this specific movie you know they they really really like they they doubled down on what was in the first one like what they had in the first one the chemistry between the characters you know the comedy stylings of tom hardy you know they they just went over the top with it and so if you were a fan of it in the first one you you would have you would have enjoyed it but like this time you would have like especially loved it and because i didn't like it the first time it just was soul crushing the second time (laughs) (laughs) wow wow soul crushing okay i like it i will i before i move on i always say you can't have an opinion unless you've watched it or read it so are you glad you've watched it <laughs> no. 
Oh, okay. <laughs> Mark really Mark is trying so hard to sell this film. Like he's trying so hard to sell it. Oh, I'm not, I'm not trying to sell this. Film. Like I'm I'm I'm, ask, I'm asking you guys. Like uh, I waited till the last minute to see it. When you told yes. me what it was, I waited and yeah. waited. And was me like, too. I got. Oh yeah, but I when got... you're saying you waited, when you're saying you waited, it sounds like you had plans to see it then. So that no, no, no. No, 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 no. It was like, okay, well, I have to I waited that. because I was like, maybe, maybe we'll have some kind of natural disaster. And then, like, right. oh damn, we can't record the show tonight. So I guess I can't go see Venom. Oh no, exactly. what to do? <laughs> exactly. I would have made you watch it, even if it was wait, even if it was waiting until DVD time. Like, so um, anyway. <clears throat> I'm, I'm even more worried now. Jasmine, what's your summary of the movie? This movie your thoughts? Was, this movie was poorly cast. Uh, I love Woody I mean, Harrelson. Was... I love Woody Harrelson and a whole bunch of stuff. Woody Harrelson mm. never, never, mm. never should have been Cletus Classic. Cassidy mm-hmm. right. Cletus. Like, it, he just, it, he shouldn't have been. The, if you were specifically looking for a redhead to keep with the theme... The perfect person would have been Pablo Schreiber. You pull if you saw the first season of American Gods on Stars, he oh yes. with his hair dyed red, he yes. is he would have been perfect for this yes. part. He has the build for it. He's young enough. He's two years younger than Naomi Harris. So the age difference between the love interests would have made a lot more sense. Than right. for there to be a 15 year age difference like there is between Naomi Harris and Woody Harrelson. Um, right. So I just think that was a missed opportunity. Whether or not his schedule, if he was ever asked, I have no idea, but he would have been a perfect carnage. Um, I just thought Woody Harrelson was too old. That's Understood. that's no slight to him. That's again, I love Woody Harrelson, but he is not right for this specific role. And Naomi Harris was completely wasted in this film. Like, why was she there? That, that, part that role literally could have been anyone i mean anyone under the sun it did not have to be her i'm i'm glad they chose a black woman to be like break up all the white boys in this film that's great (laughs) but like you're underutilizing one of the best actresses of this generation like that's just that was just really unfortunate to me because like i I got super excited when i found out she was going to be in it and she was going to be a villain i was like oh hell yeah this is gonna be awesome and it's just so like, wah, wah. I mean, just so disappointing all the way around. Um, as far as like the slapstick comedy, I have to admit, I do love slapstick. Like, I can't help it. I mean, I know, I know, I know. Uh, you guys, you can't see it, but Tom is like shaking his head and looking at me like, oh no, here we go. Um, it is, I can't like slapstick and bathroom humor as like uh-huh. grotesque as bathroom humor can get. Like those are my two favorite genres of comedy. Um, so I really enjoyed a lot of the interactions between Venom and Eddie. Uh, I will also say, I like that they kind of gave Venom the freedom to have his own identity crisis, so to speak. Mm-hmm. So uh, could have done without seeing Venom at a rave. <laughs> but, like, <laughs> that was kind uh, of funny. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but no, I, I do think <laughs> I do think a lot of the dialogue was just over the top and ridiculous. And it got to the point where halfway through the movie, I was like, I really just feel like you guys didn't have a script at all. And basically, yep. this whole film is just Tom Hardy and Woody Harrelson like 
improvising the whole thing. Like no, nobody has a plan. Nobody knows what's going on. Um, oh, well, so I did we'll not enjoy it as much as the first one. That's for sure. Say, we'll talk about the script uh, when we go in a bit, but like, right. um, yeah. So uh, my thoughts on the movie, I didn't hate it as much. I think the, but I would say the Woody Harrison thing, even when I saw the end credit sequence on the first one, I was disappointed that they were bringing in Carnage so early. Like, I Mm. thought, if you're going to have, if you're trying to build this whole Venom franchise, I did think, can you just do Carnage a bit later? Can you do something else in Venom 2? Like, because I I always hate it when you have, like, we had Riot in the first movie. Then we've got Carnage in the second movie. And and clearly they're going to be more symbiotes in the third one. And we'll talk about that later. But... Mm-hmm. I, I kind of I remember like this was the kind of the problem with the Flash TV series. Every every season was a speedster villain, yeah. like and and I kind of like, do we have to have every movie be a symbiote villain? Like you know, um, can we not? Can I know I know the tr- this is Sony's trouble though. They haven't got a massive amount of characters to play with. Right. Um, I mean, when they're building a universe made of Spider Man's villains, it, it, it is difficult to to build you know, a universe just off of his villains, especially when you're trying to hold some back for, for Spider-Man's movie. Right. You're playing in a very limited sandbox. So potentially that's the trouble. But yeah, in terms of Woody Harrison, I mean, he's a brilliant actor and there's loads mm-hmm. of things I've loved him in. From day one, I when I saw, like in 2018, when I saw that, I was like, no, it's terrible. And you talked about alternatives. I think for me, if I could have recast it, I think Damien Lewis would have been a much better um uh, Carnage, really? a much stronger. Yeah, I think he would have been a much stronger. Like if you talk about redheads, I think mm-hmm. he would. Like, uh, did you ever see like Homeland and everything? Yeah, sort of. Oh villainous, yeah. yeah, like villainous sort of nature. I think he would have been a perfect Carnage. Like he would have been much more serious. And yeah, I was uh, gonna say I've not really seen him do too much humorous stuff though. Yeah, that's yeah, what but... I was gonna say. He seems pretty. He he seems very serious. Um, he he can do menacing, mm-hmm. but. Yeah. I, I... He yeah. well, he he has done like weird alien possession. Well, like Dreamcatcher. Be, yes, Dreamcatcher. But like he was the only bright spot in that horrible, horrible film, <laughs> Dreamcatcher. Oh. I don't know. That's what I, I, I don't know. Someone like him. That's kind of what I was thinking. Like mm-hmm. I think he would be a better alternative. But anyway, it's too late. We're we're, we're stuck with what we got. <laughs> um, and I I do agree with you about Naomi. She she's actually one of the bright spots of this whole movie yeah. like in honesty so i i could have do you know what I, she could have been the villain for all i cared like we could have scrapped carnage and had her be the main villain yeah. especially especially she, as her yeah. ability is almost destructive of venom like you know so yeah. that would have been actually pretty cool to have seen venom and eddie try and take down her mm-hmm. like that yeah. would have been you know, you could have had that and maybe then led on to Carnage being number three. I think sometimes movie people just, they rush these things. So um, anyway, it'd be good to, as we're talking about different characters, um, I'm again worried to ask the question, but but Tom, do you have any favourite characters in this film? Huh. Do I have any Like, it took me a second, like, favourite characters. If I had to run... Oh yeah, easily the two chickens. <laughs> I was gonna say Sunny and Cher. Yes, the two chickens. Okay, do you have Damn any? It, hu- do you have any human favorite characters? Maybe I need to be more specific. <laughs> oh, okay, human favorite. No, I imagine characters. if you just went no. 
uh, I mean, oh, man, like, okay, like, if I'm running through the whole film from beginning to end, because I didn't even really like Naomi, like, I like Naomi Harris as an actress, but mm-hmm. even her character was kind of like Dick. marginalized. Yeah, yeah. It was just like, you know, she was just like, hey, I'm glad you got me out. We're just going to run around, get married. Da, da, da. And it was like, there was nothing to her. So mm-hmm. I can't gravitate towards her. And it's like, no, I, I, I get Michelle. Is it Michelle Williams? Mm-hmm. Michelle. Yeah. Michelle yeah. Williams. Yeah. Um, Maybe her, maybe, you know, is it? Is she it, had a better role in the first one, I think. Yeah. Now, any, at this point, I'd really just be picking who I disliked the least, as opposed to who was my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, now. You're sticking with the chickens, Sonny and Cher. Yeah, they, I love okay. them. <laughs> okay. All right. That's fair. I'll pick someone different then. Okay. Since you took Sonny and Cher. <laughs> In that case, I, I just have to go with Venom. I mean, okay. How, he basically was the meat potatoes. He's the brains of the operation. He was the muscle. He was the he was the comedic relief. He was a little bit of everything. Although I think after the first one, it uh, his voice seemed less effective. I know it's Tom Hardy's voice, like yep. you know, auto tuned or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it felt like I heard a lot more Tom Hardy this time around than I did in the first film. Mm. So. I think the character I was probably the most disappointed with, I will, I, I have a sort of a favorite. The character I was the most disappointed was with uh, Stephen Graham as uh, the detective. He just felt so weak. Like it just, I don't know. Like I've seen him in so many other things like in England, mm. like line of duty and stuff. And he plays such a, like a much stronger character. Right. And, um, and like, you know, even when he played, was it Al, Al, Al Capone in Broadwalk empire? And uh, yeah, I don't know. He's, he's such a strong actor and he just had such a, I don't know. He just came across as really, I don't know, pansy. Like, you know, well, just... you know, that's probably because of the writing, not because of him. Well, yeah, may, maybe, 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 yeah, like maybe. Anyway, my favorite character. I think we're to wait to get to writing to talk about the poor yes, writing. yes, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, may, so my favorite character, and I was actually really pleased that she was in this. Was um, you're gonna laugh now, Mrs. Mm-hmm. Chen. I love Mrs. Chen. She's great. <laughs> she, was I thought she, she was good. She was. I, she was I, okay. She was okay. So I, I like and that was something I quite liked because they don't do this in a lot of films, you know. Like normally, like films will kind of just move on, like as if the first one sometimes didn't happen. Like they'll bring over sort of major plot points, but you won't always see the same sort of things carrying over. Like, and I like the fact that Eddie's got the same sort of convenience store that he goes in, like that we saw sort of twice in the first film. And I never, for one point, expected <laughs> the same convenience store to be in it. And I know, really like you know, picking a tiny character here. But what I loved was the fact that he walks in and they've got that relationship, Eddie and um, Venom have got a relationship with her where, where as she walks in, she's like, hi, Eddie, hi, Venom. Like, and she's like, they're almost like their drug dealer for chocolate. Like, cause like Venom, Venom needs like chocolate. And then I love it when Anne doesn't know where to go to find them. And she goes to the convenience store and is chatting to Mrs. Chen. And then in the end, like there's that sort of little scene between Anne and Mrs. Chen. And I thought that was pretty good as well. Like, um, I know you're probably picking a really small character here to say, but I, I thought it, I, I quite liked her. Like, I, I mean, at least like, Mrs. Chen had some speaking lines. Sonny and Cher yes. didn't. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, no. yeah. It, it, they had presents, though. Yes. They had presents. They also couldn't yeah. suffer from the bad writing. So there you exactly. go. Exactly. <laughs> so I know you guys are desperate to talk about the script. So maybe I should have put that first. But, uh, no. so, um, Tom, what do you think about the script? I've got a feeling that you really liked it. <laughs> so okay so in terms of the script i think what i think what this script suffered from is no one had any real purpose you, you, you know like it was kind of like okay so what did carnage want what did um cletus want you know mm. what did shriek want and, and everything was kind of like I want revenge, mm. you know, like, like realistically, what, what did Carnage want? It was kind of like, I want to, you know, get my dad, like get back at my father. And it was like, for well, what you though? Right. Exactly. You didn't establish there was, there was even a relationship between the two of you and that he, they, that something was done wrong to you. Cletus, why would Cletus want to get back at Eddie? Because he didn't write about the fact that he was abused. It's like, I mean, realistically, that's not that's not a strong motive. I mean, I think that they just it was just like, OK, we, we have these, you know, iconic characters in Marvel and, you know, in this universe and they're supposed to fight each other. So let's just flimsily put a script together to have them fight each other. Mm. And the script suffered from that. You know, I mean, also, you know, it all, I, I, it all wrapped in a comedy, you know, but that's just my personal dislike of the story in general. I think, but let's put, let's put that aside because maybe if they, the comedy may have, I may have been able to look over the comedy. If there was a real want, if there was mm -hmm. a real basis for the want of all of these characters. And I yeah. didn't see that. Well, mm -hmm. yeah, because in the first film, Riz Ahmed actually had a reason or his character had a reason. Like he was he basically wanted to control a bunch of things and had the power to do it. So that's what he was taking. Um, yeah. yeah, I feel like. This this film did the same thing that the first film did in the way that it treated its female characters. Mm. And it it pisses me off like mm. you reduced Shriek to less than a sidekick what whatever is like third in line behind the hero that's that felt like that's what she was she she had no purpose she had no voice she had no autonomy she gets out of being in this research lab box for 20 years she's been stuck in this box and magically she comes out of the box and she's just happy-go-lucky woohoo let's murder people it's like hmm I feel like there would have been some kind of like, you can be happy to see Cletus. I'm fine with that. Right. But like, we don't even get to see that. We don't even get to see, you see this really messy, weird kiss. Oh, that was, that was super weird. I did not enjoy that at all. <laughs> um, but like, there's, there's not even any chemistry between Francis and Cletus at this age. Like they had more chemistry together when they were kids at the very beginning of the film in um, St. Estes. Right. So I, I, I didn't like the way that the first film treated Michelle Williams. Um, I didn't like the way that this film treated Naomi Harris. And as far as everybody else, it's like, it's, it's just chaotic. There, there's no through line. 
there, so there's, there's nothing for you as the audience to grasp onto. So if you could literally watch this film on mute and it has the exact same effect as, as you watching it in regular format, like you're not gaining anything from hearing these characters talk to each other. So basically it's like a picture flip book. Uh, no, no real plot. You could just make it up as you go and you probably still come up with the same type of story or even a much better one than <laughs> what we got. Like, it's yeah. like you said, Tom, like, nobody has any real reason to do any of the things that they're doing. Um, Eddie is miserable because Anne is engaged and he is just like, I don't know what I'm going to do with myself. He, his job is not going well. Even Venom gets sick of him and leaves. Like how, (laughs) how messed up and shitty does your life have to be that a symbiote is like, no man, peace out. Like I got to get out of here and find somebody else to hang out with. Um, so it's just like, there's there's nothing to look forward to. And by the time we get to the fight at the end, like the climax of the film, it's like, I don't care. I don't care. Like, I don't want, uh, the only thing that I kept saying was like, I don't want Anne to die. Like, I don't want yeah. her to be the sacrificial lamb of this film. And I that was, was concerned that's yeah. where I was going at one point. Like, that that yeah. was my only like thing. That was the only thing that kept me like interested in the ending of the film was like, don't you do it. Don't Don't take all this time to have us get into this character and then you kill her just willy-nilly um so at the very least they didn't do that much but uh you could tell from the moment that they introduced shriek that she was definitely going to come to a very untimely demise there was no surprise there at all yep yeah i think i think in terms of the script i it's kind of like a clumsy like i think tom said there was no it was sort of almost fumbled together really it was sort of lots and lots of things piece together and like I think it was I found it difficult because I mean we know in the comics Eddie Brock isn't a good reporter and he kind of has sort of fumbles through life so I think it's very difficult to make Eddie Brock a lead character so that's where probably you need other strong things to support a character that's very difficult to follow um, and so to have a character that's not actually dynamic and you know it, Although Venom provides the humor, yeah. um, and actually Venom, Venom in itself is a more interesting character than than, than anyone Brock. else in the film. Yeah. Like, well, yeah, yeah. Like, and um, oh no, no, Mrs. Chen. Like, but I, 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 I honestly amazing. think, hey, I said she is amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe they should do Venom three, Mrs. Chen, like Returns. <laughs> or something like that. I would I see, and if they gave her a good want. I would go yeah. see that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe she should get the symbiote. So uh, again, and um, anyway, it was kind of just fumbled together, to be honest. And I felt like because they did that mid-credit uh, end credit sequence where Eddie went and saw Carnage or oh, as Clubs Cassidy, um, I, I felt like they kind of went into Venom too. Like, oh well, that 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 sequence we kind of now need to reference it. Where maybe they, I don't know, like, and then they kind of had to somehow reference it and and right forward beyond that you know to get him back in a position like where his hand gets bitten um so it was kind of just very loose to me and i don't know i found it all very frustrating how the plot kind of just didn't i don't know move on very smoothly but also more interestingly so there wasn't it wasn't very it was just i think everything was obvious there was no mystery there's no. no suspense there's no like where you're not sure there's only one point where and i think jasmine you were trying to say that and when she was being lowered down by the symbiote 
for a split second i did think is this another emma stone are sony gonna be silly and kill off now don't get me wrong we all know that gwen stacy dies in the comics but i think it was something with amazing spider-man they did too early they should have held that off and i was like oh they're gonna make the same mistake luckily they didn't make the same mistake and kill (laughs) Anne off however Anne again was real her role was really reduced and I think Michelle Williams needs to really question whether she should come back for a third one. Uh, I don't know what she's contracted to do, but I think I think she would be silly to come back. Um, I f- in a way, though, I feel like her story is done now. She's like, look, I'm not coming back. You know, I'm getting yeah. engaged. Yeah. So do we really need to see more of her? I don't think we yeah. do. I think really. I think actually- that was the one good thing too is that they never they never forced her and Eddie to reconnect, like yeah. in a romantic right. way. Like yeah, they broke up. They're, they broke off the engagement and that was it. Like she didn't flounder. She didn't flip flop. She was like, look, man, you're unstable. And that's not what I'm looking for. I'm leaving. And she stuck to her gun. So I was really I glad that-, that she was like, nope, I'm getting, I'm engaged to Dan. This is happening. Like, uh. Well, I think from day one, from the first movie, she's like the sensible partner. Mm-hmm. She wants a sensible partner and she wants a straight life. You know, she wants a, sort of nine to five, whatever it is. She wants someone with a nine to five. She wants to come home, feed the cat, watch some, I don't know, Love Island or whatever she watches oh, in God. the evening. Like, <laughs> and, um, you know, like she she wants to go to church on Sunday, you know, her and her partner, you know, they want to get married, you know, all that kind of stuff. And Eddie's like smashing up his apartment, having a fight with Venom. Like, you know, she's not looking for that. And it is good that, like you said, she isn't she isn't breaking character yeah. like just to be just to force a relationship which clearly would never work mm-hmm. um so i think in a way Eddie really needs to find someone of craziness like you know like him or equally and he doesn't need to be with anyone like you know not right. a lot of these a lot of these hero type characters are unfortunately they live the lonely road don't they so um in terms of scenes, if I was to cut anything, I'll be totally honest. I would cut that awkward nightclub scene. Like that was just no, weird. Yes. Like I, it was yes. so unnecessary. I'll be honest with you. At that point, I was. I don't. I was just like in my chair. Like, what is going on? I am a hundred percent not cutting out Venom like, wearing like, glow sticks. <laughs> that stays in the film. Yes. I, I, like, although it's slightly oh, funny, man. it was just. It was just a bad. It was a bad idea. It was just a bad idea. Like, yeah. it had that whole Spider-Man three Venom thing about yes. it. You know, like, yeah. Like, that's that's kind of what it had about it to me. It was an unnecessary scene. It was just really trying to push the comedy unnecessarily too far, in my opinion. So. I I looked to the left and right in the theater. No one was there, but I looked to the left <laughs> and right myself. And you were like and I said, that what am I watching? <laughs> what is this happening right now? <laughs> I love that. What is happening right now? Like, you were like, yeah. what has Mark done to me? Yeah. Like, what has Mark done? Like, yeah. Why did he oh, make yeah. me see that? Um, so is it, Tom, is there anything you would have cut out? I mean, other than all Besides the- everything? Yeah, yeah, besides <laughs> everything. Is it one particular scene that jumps out that you'd cut? Mm, I would say... If I had to cut a scene, hmm, I think I would. Oh, I'm trying to think. I mean, and and I'm like I said, it's hard because I don't want to just be like, oh, I hated everything about it. I'd cut everything. Uh, 
the scene that I don't think worked the most outside of the club scene, because <laughs> yeah, that was really <laughs> rough, <laughs> would be maybe him, I guess, just just even him jumping from body to body. I don't think I I understood it was about him put about Eddie pushing him away and him trying to do his own thing, but I felt like that was almost sitcomish. Yeah. Of him, of Venom, like you know, oh, I'm gonna go to this body and this body and this body doesn't hold me because then what it kind of created was well, okay, so why can Eddie hold him for so long? They never really, they didn't really delve into that. Mm-hmm. And I mean, granted, it's a, it's a tight ninety minutes. And so, you know, we don't have time to, to, to really explain all of these things. But that was what I was thinking when I saw that scene. It was like, wait, so no one could hold him for long. Why can Eddie hold him for so long? Like, yeah. what, what is significant about Eddie? And I, at least I don't remember it being mentioned in the first round. It wasn't. As a no, matter it wasn't. Fact, yes, it was. It, 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 was it? Oh, yeah. was it? Nobody Why? else was feeding Venom. That was the problem. Oh, and, was and, it was. Oh. Yes, because he wasn't being fed. He feeds on his host. So that's why yes, he, that... nobody else can stay in his body or he can't stay in anyone else's body. So Ed, that because in the first film, he was just biting off heads left and right. That's why Eddie had to come up with the rule like you cannot eat people. So that's how oh. chocolate came into the picture. Uh, so, yeah, he can stay with Eddie because Eddie feeds him. Oh, I didn't realize it was that the people weren't letting him eat. So, well, wait, so... Well, well, well but no because like when he's taking over questions. other people's bodies i'm pretty sure that he's not having the same kind of internal conversation with the these random right. people that he's having with eddie so he yeah. probably never right. even got to the point where he was like yo feed me he probably would just like take over and do what he wanted but but he was living by the rule that's why he couldn't stay in those bodies Eddie uh, told okay. him you yes. cannot eat people he told him that and he and that's what eddie told Anne. he was like you have to find him because i am worried like I don't know if he's going to abide by the rule while he's ah. not with me. Mm-hmm. So. Okay. okay. All right. Well, then that makes oh, maybe sense. That makes sense. Yeah, maybe that makes sense. I'll be honest. <laughs> I didn't necessarily put that together. Well, no, but I would still, I'll be honest with you, I wasn't particularly a fan of that whole Venom. And I liked the squabble a little bit where Venom goes off and Venom actually sticks his middle finger up. I actually have to say I laughed. I thought that was quite funny. <laughs> okay. um, but I kind of I hoped that Venom would kind of come back like almost instantly. I didn't realize we'd get like a sort of a 20 minute montage of body to yes. body and then Anne having to go after Venom. I was like, this is all so unnecessary. Yes. <laughs> but like, so, um, yes. I, I mean, yeah, I don't know. Anyway, um, Jasmine, was, would you cut anything besides all How of it? How could I? No, I wouldn't. No. I mean, it's terrible. Like, I'm not going to cut anything. It all stays. <laughs> <laughs> it all stays. Uh, yeah. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm worried to ask, but did you guys have any favorite scenes at all? Yeah, my favorite ah, scene was yes. at the very end when uh, he what? looked at oh, Cletus and said, fuck this guy. Spit <laughs> <laughs> his head off. Yes, that was actually, yeah, scene. actually, that was, that, <laughs> okay, was uh, okay, that, yes. that made me laugh. Yeah, yes, that made me laugh. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so mine was after that scene, and it, it, it's the comic book snob, as Mike calls me, it's the comic book snob in me when he's sitting on the beach and he is getting ready to say, we are, and I was like, yeah, and he didn't say, say it. it. He, he didn't, didn't say it. it. They, they pulled the Captain America. Yeah. <laughs> he didn't say it. But when he was, it was that scene, like kind of really pulled me in. It was like, oh, wow. Okay. They're really, 
you know, because he says lethal protector, which, you know, that's mm -hmm. like his moniker or whatever. Mm -hmm. But when he goes, we are, it was like, whoa, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I like I like where they're going. And then he didn't say it. But I mean, you know, I get it. That that was my scene. Yeah. Yeah, no, I actually, I, I, I thought that was a good moment. I do have to say, though, I think probably what Jasmine said, like that whole bit at the end where, where he's like, fuck this guy and just like, yes. said like that, honestly, I was dying. I was like, at that point, I was like, that, that is a good line. Like, yes. and I love, but I love the fact that like, oh, it, well, just before that, what built up that thing was before Venom got involved uh, in the fight. Uh, he's like, can we, can we at least eat these people's brains? And, and yeah. he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, yeah. Like, these, can eat these people. These two, but not the father. Yeah. <laughs> Do not touch the guy in the robes. Yeah. But then, uh, actually, and just before that, actually, Venom's like, oh, we're all gonna die. And he's like, yeah, yeah. And he's like, no, no, no we're gonna die. And I was like, that bit actually was kind of funny, like that thing. Actually, it's probably like, well, we'll talk about it in a minute, but sort of production and CGI and stuff, like, I mean, what are you guys' thoughts on on how it looked visually? Tom, what, what are your thoughts on what it looked like? Um, so, I mean, you know, I I kind of think like you're we're in this we're in a bad spot with Venom. Like you can't like based on what Venom looks like in the comic, there is no better way to do Venom. Mm -hmm. But when we get to this, but you know the problem you have with that is when you have this uh, him fighting another symbiote it then just kind of becomes this this cgi mess, mess of yeah goo yeah i thought that place. too like it was hard to see what was going on in that final battle between him and carnage like yeah. really the only thing that di differentiated them was the color color yeah which and was, mm. was uh, thankful because riot was the same color yeah the first movie. yeah well yeah but yeah it's the I, same I, I said the same thing about Shang-Chi, you know, at the end where it was all like, they're all fighting the dragon and it was all just, uh, I, even though I love Shang-Chi, that end yeah. bit was like what you just said about Carnage and Venom fighting each other. And um, yeah, so sorry yeah. to jump in there. No, no. I, I, and, but, but see, the problem is that because of the nature of what Venom is, you're, you, you have to use yeah. a, a large amount of CGI. It's like, you, you, like you, if thinking about it, it's kind of like, well, how could you possibly minimize the CGI in a Venom film? Mm -hmm. And it's like, you can't. Yeah. You know? I mean, you, the only way you could do it in this particular, in the last two, is just not have his villains be also the same thing that he is. And then you, you kind of yeah. at least ha having that. But yeah, I, I, I think that when he is just you know, Venom, the, the, the entity, the, 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 the humanoid form, that's fine. I mean, you know, that works. But when he starts like stretching and, and you know, they're all, then it's like, okay, I, I can't see what's happening. This is like Michael Bay and, you know, Transformers. <laughs> this is happening right now, you know. They spent yeah. 110 million US dollars on this movie. That's so, a right. chump change for <laughs> for this kind of film, though. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, I think I don't think they like. I think Tom said like I don't think they could do it any better. Mm -hmm. it, it could definitely be a lot worse. That's for oh, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But I think, it, I mean, I think it's good. The the only time that it really looks subpar is when you have when when things kind of slow down. So like when Carnage would pick someone up. And so now you see this human character with the symbiote and mm -hmm. it's just kind right. of like, that doesn't match. Uh, like the scene at the end when, when he has Michelle Williams, like he's pulling her out of the box. I was like, 
of all the times for like bad CGI to show up, this does not look good. This doesn't present itself (laughs) well. Um, So that like anytime either one of them, whether it was Venom or Carnage, anytime they picked someone up outside of themselves, it looked weird to me. But the only when... thing I had a problem with is, um, sorry, I thought you would finished and gone. No, it's fine. Uh, the only thing I had a problem with, and this is me being a comic geek, is the fact that Venom does not have the white spider logo on the thing. And I know that they gave an explanation for this in the first movie was that he only has that logo because he meets I mean, Spider-Man. Yeah, and obviously in, these film, obviously in these films, he's not met Spider-Man. But that was just irritating me. <laughs> looking at it. And I was like, I just don't feel like it's really Venom. Like, it's not got the logo. Like, and I know that's just me being a comic geek, but that was, for, for me, in terms of visuals, I was just like, could they just not find a way to put that on there? Like, so. Also, there was not enough head biting off in this one for me. I would have really? liked it if he could have broken no, the No, not at all. A little bit more. He should have broken the rule. There, there should have been a lot more people being eaten. I was very disappointed <laughs> in the people being eaten body count. Well, look, it's hard to call him a hero if he's eating. Yeah. <laughs> Who needs a hero? People. I love the villains. I always love a good villain. So by all yeah. means, like run through it. When, like, okay, so one scene that literally made me laugh out loud was when they're at the prison and Eddie is walking into the prison and he's talking to Venom, but the guard standing next to him is like, are oh, you okay, so man? <laughs> but when he said, this is a buffet, and Eddie is like, no, not everybody in here is guilty. And Venom goes, but they're in prison. <laughs> Eddie was I, like, I actually did. that's not how this works. You know, there, there are some funny things in there, like, yeah, the yeah. buffet thing, like that. Mm-hmm. It's like, this is like a buffet, let me basically eat them all. Yes. Like, yeah. And, uh, there, to be honest, there are some good lines in this movie, like as much as we don't think it's particularly brilliant, like there right. is, I mean, there is yeah. some good humor. Yeah, in but there. you can't have a whole film of one-liners. I know, yes. no, I know that. I know. Right. Um, so, All right, let's get to the good stuff. I was going to say mm. the one thing, actually, just before we go any talk about the end, the one thing I am sad about is when Venom One ended. It ended with Stanley walking his dog. So it's a shame we had no Stan. I know, I know, we, I know that's going to happen like across the board. But yep. I, I just it's a sad thing that we got no more Stanley making any cameos. So um when because I rewatched the first one uh before I went into the second one. <laughs> when I rewatched it. When I rewatched <laughs> it, by the way, this is the second time I've seen it. I saw the first time at the cinema and then I've not watched it again. Right. And then I rewatched it the night before I went and I, I'd forgotten Stanley was in it and I was like Oh, that's kind of sad. I was like, yeah. I did I forgot Stanley was in Venom. I was like, oh, so I. But when things like that happen, you just think, can they just not have like a poster like in the background? Like you know, that would be kind of cool. Like a little. Well, thing but like they that. put a moratorium on that. Well, Marvel did anyway. I don't know if that affected Sony too, but Marvel has flat out said that there will not be. They're not going to do what they did with Star Wars and bring in dead CGI characters. So they said there will be no more Stanley. No I understand. I understand not bringing in a CGI Stan Lee. I think that would be distasteful. But they, but with Star Wars, they're bringing in characters, aren't they? Stan Lee was really just playing himself, wasn't he? Really. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, you guys want to talk about the end? So mm. it ends in chaos, which we've been talking about. Um, Carnage dies. Cletus dies. Um, <laughs> Shriek mm-hmm. dies. Yeah, Venom yeah. ate both Carnage and Cletus, which I really appreciated. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> Anne, and, Anne and Doctor get a happy-ish ending. Um, they say their goodbyes. Yeah. Uh, Venom goes on the run, and unfortunately, Eddie is now a wanted man. Um, it does end with several uh, 
teasers. We're not going to put the end credits, but um, but they we go might have and, a new villain. Well, yes. So our detective, who was fairly weak in this movie, yes. has right. some some weird eye thing uh, right. going on. And, and I'm not uh, sure what that what what that was uh, hinting at. I think it's meant to be Toxin. Um, so if you don't know who Toxin, do you know who Toxin is or not? He's a symbiote. Is, is Toxin Symbi- another symbiote? Another yeah. symbiote. The yeah, son of Carnage. Know. The son yeah. of Carnage. So, so basically, Venom is going to be a grandfather in the third film. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm so I'm wondering, like, so I'm wondering if. We're going to be seeing an, another symbiote battle royale, Venom versus Toxin, and the next one. I don't know how they're going to make it work. Will it be that Venom has to go back to save the city because he's obviously gone on the run, and I don't know where he is. He's on a hot beach somewhere. Well, um, right now he's in the same well, well, universe well, well, as somebody else. <laughs> yep. So, but um, before we talk about that mid-credit sequence, mm-hmm. um, what did you guys think about the sort of the battle royale at the end? I know. I know Jasmine loved the head biting, but did yeah. you enjoy the, the sort of, I guess, Tom, the climax of this movie? No. <laughs> <laughs> I well, okay. For for the main reason is, in all honesty, we saw a large portion of the climax of the film in the commercials. Mm. So when we got to actually seeing the fight, it was kind of like, oh, okay, so this is when he jumps up. This is when the spikes come out. You know, this is, you know, because it's not like they fought each other a lot. It was kind of like they kind of had a quick battle. And then and in this one at the end, it was, wait, did they have a quick battle before? I felt like they. I think they did yeah, meet they, before. They, yeah, I, yeah, they had a quick battle before. And then, no. No, they didn't. No, yeah, because didn't. Venom was like, oh, he's oh, he's, he's red. red. No, no, we, red we have to yeah. leave right now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and so. You know, but so we saw the only battle between the two of them a lot in the commercials. So the element of of, of surprise or newness was not present, and so I think that is a, a one of the, one of the reasons why. Uh, also, the overuse of CGI that's another mm. reason why. Um, and then lastly, I didn't understand why they were fighting. It was like the answer is because they're bad guys. Yeah, and it's like oh. Okay, well, I, I'll be honest with you. I I didn't care really about me neither. I, I just <laughs> I went, but I I although you did say you love the head biting, in mm-hmm. some ways I'd rather it didn't happen because I I do kind of hate the one villain. You know, the sort of I I kind of hate it that they these movies that they they make the mistake sometimes of killing off their big bad guy and not keeping them around for a second one. Now I don't want to mm-hmm. see lots of movies made with the same villain. Right. But what I like, if they're trying to build this Venom franchise, like, why wouldn't it be cool to say, have the possibility that we could see Carnage down the road? Like, you know, like, if, if I don't know how many Venom movies they plan on making, but like, if they're, you know, on Venom four or five, how cool would it be oh, if, like, like, <laughs> I, I, I like to say, I don't know, <laughs> but wouldn't it be cool, like, if we had that? And I, one of the things I was thinking about, and I haven't read it, but, um, uh, what's his name? The guy, uh, Dan Slot. He did a really cool story, and I haven't read it. I really want to read it. But Carnage uh, merges with the Green Goblin, and you have the Red Ooh. Goblin. So I was like thinking, oh, please don't eat Carnage because it would be so cool. And what we're going to talk about is in a minute with you know if there was this possibility of well, Carnage somebody just has to bite Eddie again. Problem oh, solved. Yeah. New yeah, Carnage. I mean, 
Actually, maybe to be honest with you, maybe Carnage could just come out again later or something like that. Maybe he just escapes from Venom somehow or whatever. Right. Like, but that would be pretty cool. I was thinking if we had some sort of Red Goblin storyline. But anyway, in terms of the battle, I'll be honest, I didn't care. The only mm-hmm. thing I really was concerned about is that they were gonna, like you said, kill Anne off just because they wanted to have some big, impactful, emotional moment. Yeah. Um, right. I was a bit concerned that they might kill the Doctor off. Um, but I did love the fact that the Doctor was like helped save the day. Um, I did think it was cool that he was kind of a real background character, and for him to suddenly have a, a sort of a two minutes of fame in this movie was kind of <laughs> cool. Like, and he was like, "Yeah, here's the fire and sound without the sound." I was like, "Yeah, hey, get, get a line." Even well. Venom like, acknowledged him at the very end. Yeah, yeah, Thanks, yeah. Dan. And then he yeah, said, yeah. "Well, but he didn't really do very much. We did most of the work." <laughs> I, yeah, I did like the fact that Venom like likes Dan by the end of it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that, he doesn't, I, but Venom. Yeah, yeah. yeah that, that was it. Eddie doesn't like him, but Venom does. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. So it ends. They go to a beach, and then we get the titles, and then two, two, three minutes into the titles, we get a a scene, which, in all honesty, was my favorite part of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> um, the only reason to spend the money. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they should have just released the scene. Anyway, exactly. um, so. I actually like all of this scene. I love the fact that they're watching some trash TV. Like I actually thought no, that they're watching actually... Mexican soap operas. They're so dramatic. Yes, <laughs> or probably Destinos. Oh man! <laughs> but I love the fact that they're just watching trash TV. Uh-huh. You know, like you know, some sort of soap. It doesn't really matter that it's Mexican, but it's just like mm-hmm. it could be an English soap, whatever. They're just watching trash soaps, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they phase out, and Venom, Venom's chatting, and you guys didn't pick up on this, but the first conversation they're having, Venom alludes to being part of a hive mind, um, mm-hmm. and so for. So then he's like, oh, do you want me to show you a little bit of our hive mind knowledge? Yes. So as we know from the King in Black storyline that happened earlier in the year in Marvel Comics, obviously Noel came and there was this whole hive mind thing because Noel's like the king of the symbiotes. And there is some rumours about a potential Noel, Sony, Marvel movie. Only rumours. So now when they, the moment they reference that, yeah. that hive mind, I was like, damn boy, you guys are setting this up. So I, so I thought this is because I'd, I'd been trying to stay away from the spoilers for this film. And I'd heard that there was something that happened in the mid credits that was a connection to Marvel. So I was like, oh, this is it. So, nope. I, so when he said, no, 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 no. But then he goes, right, I'm going to show you. And even when that bright light thing happened, I was like, right, like we're going to get something about Noel. I was like, this is pretty cool. And that's not what happened at all. So, <laughs> right. <laughs> so right. Jasmine, what happened? We we have crossed multiverses. That yeah. that is what happened. And then they still are in a beach resort in the same yep. room, same room, yep. Uh, yep. but with a totally different bed set, different right. sunset. Like everything about this room is different. And on screen, we start out with J. Jonah Jameson saying, "Peter Parker as Spider Man is really, or Peter Parker is Spider Man." And right. then we get Tom Holland. And I, I was sitting in the theater and I was like, yes! Whoa. Because I know, honestly, I, I think the Tom Hardy Venom combination, like that, those that works so that's gonna work so well I against think it'll Tom work Holland. Well, yeah. So well. Like Venom doesn't even fit in his own universe, but I think that he would fit with with 
that Spidey so well. I just, oh man, oh man. So Tom, when you saw it, what did you think? I was more like, okay, wait. So, so what does this mean? Like, okay, so now is, is Venom going to be a part of the Sinister Six? Because when you see the scene and you see Tom Holland, you're like, first you're like, oh my God, they, they've merged universes. I, I can't believe they've done that. Then you see Venom get close to the TV and then he, 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 he looks oh. like, right. He looks like the Todd McFarlane Venom. He, his teeth are very sharp and then he licks the screen. I'm like, whoa, okay. Is and then he, he just now, makes a reference and he's like, this guy. This guy. Wait a minute, how do you yeah, know this guy? Yeah, yeah. And it must be, it may be a reference yeah, yeah, to the yeah. hive mind or something like, Maybe. who knows? But yeah, 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 yeah. It, it, it opened my mind to so many possibilities. And, and um, let me let me just say this very quickly. What it is, is that, so my dislike of the entire Venom franchise is because my introduction to Venom was, you know, the traditional one through the Todd, McMa- Todd McFarlane series. And so I always saw Venom as a very dark character, even though I'm currently reading Venom and I have been for the last three years. And now he's more of a, of a, a, a sad character. Um, mm. But... I've always seen him as a very dark, dark character. Um, and so to see him in a comical light um, is, 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 a, is a, a bummer because of what my expectations were. Mm-hmm. You know, and I get that everyone is different, but my expectations were that. Now, when he looked at TV screen <laughs> and he had that grin like he had in the Todd McFarlane comic, it was a, it was a wave of excitement. <laughs> mm-hmm small wave of excitement going through my body because I realized we may get the I may get the venom that I have been craving ever since the first movie dropped yeah you know well, yeah venom's never been like the Tom you know the Peter Parker type he's never been the witty one-liners and although Eddie Brock isn't that but venom kind of now is the one-liner guy we've never even had that in the comics like so right. this, these two venom movies are like an interpretation of the comics rather than yes. that. But, but yeah, so when I saw Tom Holland, I was like, honestly, I'm not joking. I was like so buzzing. I was like, this yeah. is brilliant. I was like so excited. And like, I remember even like from the few people that were in the theatre, like there was a few like, you could hear like excited noises from the sort of five to 10 people that were in the theatre <laughs> with me. And like, okay. and, and I was like, okay, so I'm not just the only one buzzing. There's other people buzzing. And I, and I was like, okay, so this is like positive. And I thought this is what people have been wanting: Venom yes. and Spider-Man to find. Because how can you have one without the other? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, so I did read a, a sort of little article, and Kevin Feige, being interviewed, said, "I've always said from day one, nothing was ever off the table." Mm. So I, I don't know what this means. Like you just said, Tom, have they merged universes, or has Venom just ended up in the MCU and then he'll go back? We, I guess we don't know. But yeah. now, what I never ever considered to be a possibility is when spider-man no way home comes out at the end of december is eddie brock going to be in it he probably has to be in it you've got to think he's got to be in it and that's why i did say when that trailer came out i said i think it's what they're not showing you that's the key to that trailer mm-hmm. um, and i think like as much as they showed you what they could I now really would bet that there'll be another trailer not far off, which you'll see. I imagine that Spider-Man No Way Home is literally just going to be 10 years worth of spoilers. That's like all cameo. it's going to be. Yep. Like the whole film. It's yep. going to be like Cameo, cameo City, that film. Yeah, well, because it's, right. it's kicking off this whole multiverse thing, right? So we got 
Kang started it. Well, Sylvie started it in the Loki series, started yep. the lines branching out. Tom and, and in No Way Home, that's going to be like the first actual iteration of all of these multiverses that we get. Quantumania is definitely going to be covering that, which Ant-Man, that's not coming out till the end of 2023, right? Wait, is that the new, is that after the pushback? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so this, plus you still have Doctor Strange, that's coming out next year, next summer. Mm-hmm. So, so they're going to be multiverse. We're going to be yeah. dealing with the multiverse for the next two years at the very least. Yeah. So it's so, possible like Venom pops up in a couple of films as small parts, Oh, that'd be cool. Possibly. And then yeah. once Marvel fixes the multiverse, because eventually they will, they have to. Right? Venom will have to go yeah. home. Venom will go home. Right. And then he'll fight Null and Toxin. Because <laughs> no, no one cares about Toxin. But like um, I, I'm excited for this. Like that last little bit gave me some hope that we finally get well. I actually think the Spider-Man film is gonna be brilliant anyway. But now to see Venom in it, I'm just stoked. So I look, um, I'm still holding out for a tiny, tiny modicum of a Miles Morales cameo. That's all I'm hoping for with No Way Home. It could be a post-credit, it could be a mid-credit, it could be just like walking down the street and Tom Holland passes a half black, half Latino kid. I'd be fine with that. I just want a tiny a, I want Miles Morales. Damn it. A quick question to you two before we move on to ratings. Mm-hmm. Do you think that the Morbius movie is gonna be in the MCU now because of this merger, or do you think it's in the Venom verse that we've just left? I'm gonna be honest, I don't think that movie's gonna see the light of day. <laughs> do they have a oh. release date? <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, yeah. It was a trailer when I went to see see Venom. Like there really? was a oh yeah. I didn't have a Morbius trailer. Oh no. Ooh, I did not. <laughs> uh, I think it's going to be in the MCU because no. Blade is also going to be in the MCU. Not that Blade and Morbius are connected, but like if you're going to okay. go that dark route, I've just looked it up. I've just looked it up. Morbius release date is the 28th of January 2022. So that's uh, coming that's up quick. Where, that's where movies yeah. go to die. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I heard, but please don't say that. Scream 5 comes out in January. I'm excited. <laughs> ah, okay. <laughs> but apparently that is like bad, bad place to put your movies January. Yeah. Like, but yeah, I don't okay. know. Okay. Well, okay. If, if, if Morpheus does come out, I personally, I'd be surprised if they do actually put it in the MCU. It... Even though we saw the trailer, we—I mean, we saw the 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 image, the spray painting of of um, oh man, with the first bat, Tobey Maguire's Spider Man on the yeah, wall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I see that, but it's kind of like I, I don't know. I feel like it's like the the weird redheaded stepchild of <laughs> of their of their movies, and they're yeah. going to decide like <laughs> it's like we we they because this was more Morbius came into being. But when they were still on this, okay, well, we'll let you play with Spider-Man and we're going to build this world over here. But now yeah. that Kevin Feige is like, hey, let's join forces. It's kind of like, oh, man, we, we were getting ready to do this thing. And now, you know, let's leave that by the side and let's go all in on this this um, Venom. <laughs> on a Venom Marvel train. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so well, I guess we'll just have to see. I'll tell you what, when we do Morbius, you can come back. <laughs> oh, God. We got to watch that one, too? So, Tom, out of five, what would you rate this? Mm-hmm. What would you rate it out of five? Two. So, That's pretty high. Yeah, yeah, because upon our discussion, you are right. It had very decent one-liners. 
<laughs> that's, that's something. Oh, so the one-liners, the one-liners jumped it up. Okay. Yes. That and, is and and Jasmine's going to give it a five. You watch. Uh, no, I'm going to go. I'm going to go. Uh, oh man, see now I got to think about what I would rate the first one. So if I oh. give the first one a two, I'd have to give the second one a one and a half because wow. the second one is definitely not better than the first one. Wow. Okay. So, yeah, I'll go. One I actually think, I'll be generous. I, I, one and a half. I, I think the second one was better than the first one. No way. Like, Hmm. No way. Interesting. Okay. Um, I probably would go with Tom's two as well. Like I'll match the two. Okay. So you gave it a one and a half. We both gave it a two. Yeah. Kind of gives it about. Kind of gives it a little average of. I don't know. One point eight. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, 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 that's good enough. Uh, right. There you go. <laughs> that's why Jasmine's around. Um, <laughs> she brings the math. Um, anyway, what are we doing next episode or? Uh, uh okay so next episode in our next episode we'll be covering the fear street trilogy for our final entry in this month's horror fest uh for that episode we'll be joined by verno from the cerebros podcast nick from comic culture and cookie from just a little podcast we'll be doing that live on youtube on the 27th of october at 7 p.m cst and the audio for that episode will be out on sunday as usual and don't forget, we did start a second podcast series where we tackle some of the most essential graphic novels of all time. Our 10th late to, no, I'm sorry. Our 11th late to the party book club episode was Batman, the long Halloween uh, by Jeff Loeb and Tim Sale. That episode dropped late October and just in time for spooky season. So be sure to check that out. Our next book club, we are going to be reviewing the first two volumes of Fables by Bill Willingham. Um, you can also follow Geeks and Niche everywhere. We are Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And where can you find the two brothers? Tom? You can find two brothers at a water cooler on most uh, uh, apps that have a podcast. So we're on Spotify, uh, iTunes, uh, Apple Podcasts, Cat, you know, everywhere. You can find us everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. And you can also get this podcast wherever you get your podcasts, Google, Podbean, Apple, Spotify. We are everywhere. So please give us a five-star review and tell your geeky friends. And also rate our friends, the two brothers as well with five stars. Yes. Two brothers at a water cooler. I've never asked people to do that. So, you know, I don't feel any pressure. (laughs) (laughs) Make sure you give them a five-star review now. Go go smash that like button, as they say on YouTube. And, uh, (laughs) so anyway thanks for listening and tom thanks for joining yes thank you so much tom thanks have a good week have a good week everybody good journey good journey yes (laughs) 